0: Hello, my Lonely Hour listeners, this is your host, Julia, and I'm here to tell you that we have a brand new season that you can find on Stitcher Premium. Just go to stitcher.com slash to sign up now. You'll get access to ad-free episodes and archives of some of your other favorite shows, as well as exclusive bonus episodes of hit podcasts, early access to new releases, and over 300 stand-up comedy albums. You'll also have the option to donate to the Lonely Hour, which is the best way to support it. Thank you for helping us keep this show
1: going. Hi, everyone. This is Carrie Ann Thomas, production coordinator at The Listening Booth. Julia will be here in a minute to share the latest essay episode with you. But first, I wanted to let you know that as we head into season two in a couple weeks, we're starting a new Lonely Hour feed on iTunes and Google Play. So if you're already subscribed, you'll need to resubscribe to the new feed. Search The Lonely Hour and look for the feed that has NEW in all caps. That's where all future episodes will go from here on out. With a new start at the listening booth and the launch of season two, we thought it was a good time to start fresh. So again, in your podcast app, search for The Lonely Hour and subscribe to the feed with NEW in all caps. The one you're listening to now will disappear in a few weeks, so don't wait. Unfortunately, during the switchover process, we'll lose all your iTunes reviews and rankings, and we really need these because they help the show out a lot. So when you subscribe to the new feed, please take a minute to let Julia know you love the show, or whatever else you think of it, really. We appreciate your support, and we welcome your feedback.
0: It is our last essay reading in this Lonely Hour mini series. Hi, it's Julia, and I'm here with my team at The Listening Booth, home of Memory Motel and the forthcoming What's Happening Here. I'm also here with food writer Charlotte Druckman, who wrote a brilliant essay about hoodies for a series I commissioned over the summer. It was so good, in fact, that it was picked up by Refinery29 and the Huffington Post. It was also the longest of the 18 pieces I published on thelonelyhour.com this summer. You can find them under the Stories section, so she's going to read just a portion of it now.
2: The first time I read about Harry Potter's Cloak of Invisibility, I felt the sleeve tug of want. An anonymous Christmas gift from secret Santa Dumbledore, it had belonged to James Potter, Harry's deceased father, who had used it to sneak into the kitchens of Hogwarts to swipe snacks. The garment had nothing to recommend itself aesthetically. It's no remarkable example of workmanship or tailoring. Its assets are unseeable to the most discerning eye. That's the point any person or object under its coverage becomes invisible. In hindsight, though, I've decided the hood of Obi-Wan Kenobi's cloak is the one against all others should be judged. It forms that perfect inverted turnip shape around the face, softening features while contouring them. That mysterious swallowing hood shaded his cheekbones with the necessary chiaroscuro in Star Wars Episode 6, Return of the Jedi. Aging women seeking flattering, dimmed lighting should pay attention and consider Obi-Wan's cloak a wardrobe essential. As far as wearers of cloaks go, no one carries a hood like Grace Jones. Designers such as Donatella Versace and pop stars such as Miley Cyrus have drawn inspiration from the singer, whose heyday was in the early 1980s and is still performing at 67. Jones wore dresses with hoods, jumpsuits with hoods, Halston-designed hoods, and Elia labeled hoods. And she even cited the hood as one of her trademarks, along with sunglasses and her four-color-painted lips. Those three things she used to stand out and identify herself to the world were also masking devices. In her book, Jones writes about the dangers of achieving real, lasting fame. Once you have the attention, once people know your name and think they have you figured out, that's when the work really begins. How do you maintain the momentum? How do you develop yourself? How to keep from drowning in it all, from disappearing? She's talking about the fear of losing herself, not of becoming irrelevant. And I see her reflectively glossy painted lips, her dark and penetrable eyewear, and her hoods as performative props that allowed her to control how much, or little, of herself she showed the world. She used them to ensure she'd still have a self to disappear into. I have always admired Grace Jones for being a strong woman and for what she represents as a pop-cultural icon. She's a Jamaican-born disco queen who refuses to try to look like or be anyone else. I can't be anyone other than myself either, which means you're never going to see me strutting my stuff with a neon silken hood cascading around my face. Camouflage and guerrilla tactics are more my speed. For me, wearing a hood lets people know that I'd like to be left alone, I don't want to sign their petition. I don't want to tell them which way Magnolia Bakery is or where the sidewalk ends.
0: I urge you all to read the rest of A Hoodie is a Haven, which is what we called this piece, on thelonelyhour.com. There's a reason I saved it for last. While I have you here, Charlotte, I want to ask you. You clearly have a lot of hoodie love, but what is your go-to hoodie and why? My favorite
2: hoodie—you're not supposed to play favorites, but I think it's okay with hoodies. No one's going to tell you personally. My favorite hoodie is um, this heavy cardigan sweater that's almost like a cross between a blanket and a duffel coat. Um, and it doesn't have proper buttons. It clasps with a giant safety pin. And it's got this really nice— hood, the shape of the hood is really good. Sort of actually like the Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, cloak. It's got that thing happening where it's just very sort of slouchy in how it hangs. Um, And it means a lot to me because a friend of mine named Kyung Lee had a shop on Christopher Street in the the West Village called Albertine. And I loved that shop. And she was always finding designers I'd never heard of before. And I walked in one day and it was that thing where whatever she was wearing, you would think, oh, that, yes, that's what I want. She just, she was a walking advertisement for her store and she knew it. And she was wearing this hoodie that just looked like the most comfortable thing, but was also kind of chic. And I said, that, where, where did that come from? And she said it was a, a designer named Lars Anderson, um, who now I've subsequently followed. Anytime I find a piece of his, I have to track it down and at least try it on. Um, but anyway, I said, I, I would love that. Cardigan is, is me. That's me. It's the hood, everything about that. It's meant to be mine. And she said, well, we have it in a few colors, but what would be the one that you wanted and I said I, I would like it in black and she said well you know we can have him custom make them so I asked my mom for Christmas if she would have that sweater made for me and she did and so I've had it I think I may have even have, have had it now for a decade I do everything in that hoodie I, I travel with it I wear it on the plane it's a great thing to have on the plane because it really is like a, a built-in blanket so yeah I, I love that it's like a
0: it's kind of like Linus's blanket for me that sweater All right, the big one. What does loneliness mean to you? Um,
2: Loneliness. For a very long time, loneliness seemed like a very abstract thing to me because I like spending time alone. And I just sort of thought that would make me immune to ever feeling lonely. I thought I was really, really lucky. And then I had to spend six weeks living in another city for work and traveling a lot. And I was alone. And I just felt um, a combination of anxiety and sadness and maybe a form of psychological claustrophobia, I guess. Um, And I just felt so homesick, that feeling of homesickness, which, by the way, sometimes I think you can be home and feel homesick. I think it's rooted to some bigger idea of, of home and so I guess I think of loneliness as a form of feeling unmoored somehow um, unsettled without a sense of home whatever that means to you and, and that's how I identify loneliness I definitely think it's one of those things where you can be by yourself and not feel lonely and you can be surrounded by a crowd of people and feel
0: incredibly lonely So what does loneliness mean to you, listeners? I'm not the expert on this topic. I'm just the shepherd of the conversation. So let's explore what loneliness means together. Drop me a voicemail with your definition on Google Voice. Dial 415-663-5901. That's 41-lonely-01. You can also record your thoughts as a voice memo and email me the mp3 file at lonelyhourpodcast at gmail.com. Just make sure to include your name and an email address so I can get back to you, because we might use what you say on a future episode. Otherwise, read the rest of these essays at thelonelyhour.com. And hey, season two drops soon. Subscribe to The Lonely Hour on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use so that you know right away that the premiere episode is ready for the listening. We're brainstorming fun ways to discuss show topics this season, so sign up for our newsletter too, and connect with us on Facebook and on Twitter at Lonely Podcast. I'm so looking forward to sharing the new show and hearing from you about it and about loneliness and solitude, of course.